Who names historical periods? And what will future historians call us, given that Elizabethan is already taken? Asked by Alison. I really love this question, Alison, but I'm going to start my answer in a bit of a strange way. So stick with me on this. In 2008, I began working as the historical advisor on a brand new BBC children's TV show called Horrible Histories. It was a silly comedy, but with factual information at its heart. And I was suddenly in charge of explaining all of history ever to our team of writers. So long as it would be funny for seven-year-olds, obviously. As jobs go, it was joyous and stressful in equal measure. But it also revealed flaws in the way I'd been trained to think about the past. You see, historical periodization is like the handball rule in football. It's perfectly sensible until you actually try and define it, and then you're in big trouble. Our TV series was based on Terry Deary's best-selling books, each of which tackles a different historical era. So we had terrible Tudors, awful Egyptians, smashing Saxons, gorgeous Georgians, vile Victorians, etc. Unlike the books, which stick to one era, we wanted to bounce between different historical eras within the same episode. Realising this might confuse our young audience, we informed them when we were changing eras, using 16 of Terry Deary's book titles as our signposts between sketches. So before a new sketch, a cartoon person from that new era would pop up and introduce it. As a helpful guide to our writers, I ordered the 16 eras chronologically, like this. Stone Age, Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, Saxons, Vikings, Middle Ages, Renaissance, Aztecs, Inca, Tudors, Stuarts, Georgians, Victorians, First World War, Second World War. I was rather pleased with myself when I jumbled them all up and asked the writers to put them back in order. I felt like a daytime quiz show host, gently chiding them as they got the Vikings and Tudors in the wrong order. Oh, how smug I felt. However, my smugness backfired. One of our writers then asked me to explain how these eras were defined, and I was embarrassed to realise that my correct timeline was riddled with logic problems. Most obviously, many of the categories overlapped. The Romans and Greeks and Egyptians were all distinct civilizations. I'd put them in separate categories, but the Romans had conquered the Greeks, and both the Ptolemaic Greeks and Romans had separately ruled over Egypt. So when we did a sketch about Queen Cleopatra, who was a descendant of the Macedonian commander Ptolemy, who had fought alongside Alexander the Great, which of Terry Deary's book titles were we supposed to use? Was Cleo a Roman? Was she a Greek? Was she an Egyptian? Meanwhile, the early medieval English, or Saxons in Terry's phrasing, had coexisted with the Vikings, but I'd given them separate eras. And yet, for historians, they'd both normally sit under a much bigger umbrella called the Middle Ages, except I'd limited that to just 1066 to 1485. Of course, the Aztecs and the Inca might also have gone in Middle Ages too, but I also made them separate to that and also from each other. What's more, the Renaissance arguably began in the 1300s in France and Italy, which in England is still the period of the medieval era's greatest hits, featuring such classics as The Black Death and The Hundred Years' War and The Peasants' Revolt. Conversely, some of the greatest Renaissance artists, such as Michelangelo, lived in the 1500s, which I'd classified as the Tudor era, not the Renaissance era. Oh, and just don't get me started on the Tudors. 
Though it's a Welsh name, it's a very Anglo-centric term for the 16th century, and Scottish people justifiably roll their eyes because their royal dynasty at the same time was the Stuarts, but the English only begin the Stuart era in 1603, on the death of Queen Elizabeth I, when James I takes over. Now this meant that a horrible history sketch about Mary, Queen of Scots, who was quite literally a Stuart, literally that was her name, fell under the Tudor-era banner. Meanwhile, Shakespeare's life straddled both Tudor and Stuart categories, which was another recurring nuisance because he was a regular character in the show. The Tudors and Stuarts belonged to the wider era known to historians as the Early Modern Period. But please don't ask me to define what I mean by Early Modern because that'll get me into so much trouble with both the medievalists and the Renaissance specialists. And after that, we get the Modern Period, by which historians confusingly mean anything post-1700-ish, give or take, but which Brits like to refer to as the Georgian era, named after the sequence of four Hanoverian kings in a row, who were all called George. But then what about King William IV and the Great Reform Act of 1832? Should he be squeezed into the Victorian era, even though Victoria was yet to reign? Or should he get his own weird Williamite age, the Williamian era? Oh no, that's horrible. Oh, ignore that. Then there's King Edward VII. He only reigned for a decade, and Terry Deary hadn't written an Edwardian's book, so when we did him, those sketches either had to go in the Victorian era, even though his mum was dead by then, or go in the First World War era, even though he was dead by then. And then we get to the 1920s and 1930s. Were they the consequences of the First World War, or are they the causes of the Second World War? The system demanded they fit in one or the other, and yet they belonged in neither. Ah! This was the tumultuous tempest swirling in my brain at pretty much every writing meeting on Horrible Histories. But, and to be honest, I'm still not over it. But my own personal descent into temporal madness was just a tiny speck in the grand history of periodization. Historians have been having these debates for centuries. The scholar A. Gangarathan writes that time is a ceaseless continuum, and yet the historian is forced to create a sense of meaning through the process of gerrymandering. In short, historians invent arbitrary boundaries to make the massive chunks of human life more manageable. We editorialise the past, deciding key moments were transitional watersheds that can be used to split time apart. But were such events transitional to the people of the time? Sometimes, sure. But nobody woke up on the 1st of January 1250, turned to their partner and said, I went to bed feeling very high Middle Ages, but I've suddenly come over all late Middle Ages. 